Welcome to the Chantal Hyde Canada's Dating Coach Podcast, where you'll learn to love and be loved. Come understand how powerful you are and share in our common experiences so that we can all grow together. Like Chantel loves to say, let's do this. Let's get started. Hello, my love. Okay, so guys, today we're talking to David Robbins, and we have met, as usual, on TikTok. And David, I kind of, I've seen you pop up here and there on TikTok doing what I'm going to call today armchair psychology, because you literally sit in your armchair and give your opinion. And you, you are a psychologist. Like, can you tell us your educational background? Because you did a TikTok where you actually stood up for me. And uh, you said, look, I have a ton of degrees and they don't mean squat. What are your degrees in my friend? So I have, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and then I went to grad school and I did a dual degree, dual license program and, um, counseling psychology and marriage and family therapy. And then I also have, um, oh gosh, I mean, I have, so my license designation in the state I'm in is a professional counselor license. I am licensed psychologist eligible elsewhere. Um, I have an addiction certification. I passed that fancy board exam too. So I've got, yeah, I got that pile of stuff that if anybody saw that video that I Got that pile of diplomas that I, you, you can see how much stock I put in that because I don't even have them hung up. Maybe I should, but. I saw that. I saw that they were uh, literally stacked up on the floor <laughs> against your mm-hmm. wall. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, and you know, it's, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Please, no, you. Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day and. You know, many years ago, so my much younger, much more stupid, unwise self, um, that version of me, um, I did have a little bit of snobbery about, you know, the pedigrees and stuff. But one of the things that happened is that I got into, well, I've been in healthcare off and on in various positions. I used to be an EMT and I used to work in hospitals and, and such. And and one of the things I noticed, like the more I worked professionally, and then especially when I settled on mental health and psychology, one of the things I noticed real quick um, was just that not all professionals are created equal. Um, you know, I know people that have way more degrees than I have. And I, eh, you know, like one of my old mentors said they test well. And it doesn't mean they're good at what they do. It doesn't mean they know anything. Um, you know, and so... You know, I, I've never been one to shy away from like when people are saying just monumentally stupid things and they're, whether they know it or not, they're in a relative position of authority and people listen to them. And it's not that I'm never wrong on anything. It's just, there's some stuff that's just pretty easy to spot. I think when, you know, like, well, you see it all the time too, you know, and I, you know, and I, 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 you know, I think I told, yeah, I told you, you know, I, I go after these people like and the stuff just pops up in my for you page. It's not like I'm looking for it. It's just right there. But <laughs> TikTok wants TikTok loves a good fight, doesn't it? I, I, they appear to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you and I, I mean, like like the field that, you know, you've gotten some new degrees in, 
uh, I, I'm a, and of course that you've practiced, it seems like there is some things in common between like what I talk about and some of the things that you've probably faced in your practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I started following you because one of your videos came up in my For You page. And you've talked about this in multiple TikToks, but the, you know, a lot of times you're just swiping really quick, right? And um, yeah, like I heard your voice. And the, the first thing I remember hearing was you talking about um, you know, dating in the first three months and what the rules are for that. I'm like, that's getting an immediate follow. Cause I, cause I literally just said that to somebody like an hour before that. And they were looking at me like I was crazy and had another head growing out of my neck. Yes. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not, apparently we can be crazy together because, you know, like I, like I say, I, I haven't read your books yet, but like I, you know, I, if any, if that's, if your TikTok content is indicative of what's in your books, um, yeah, like we apparently share a lot of the same views on a lot of these things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then, yeah, the next thing I know is people are being stupid and yeah, I'm making a video and here we are. We're talking on yeah. Thursday afternoon. <laughs> here we are on a Thursday afternoon. I love TikTok um, because <clears throat> it just... I, I don't think I've ever been on a more educational platform, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, like TikTok kind of taps into who you are and what you like, and it starts feeding it to you. Um, and I, I love that. Uh, I love that it brought us together. I love that, um, you know, here I am, somebody who doesn't have letters after their name, catching the attention of people who do and who are willing to stand up and say, hey, you know, like I might have letters after my name and, and I'm in this profession surrounded by people who have letters after their name, but ultimately what counts more than anything is your capabilities because Mm -hmm. letters after your name doesn't necessarily mean that you're qualified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, like I say, I've met a lot of people in my field, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but like I've met people in my field that I'm just, you know, like in my video, I said, you know, they don't have the good sense that God gave a golf bag. And like, again, they test well, they, you know, they, 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 you know, did all the check marks. Um, and I know, you know, some people out there might think, well, you know, apparently I never got rid of my snobbery. The snobbery continues. And, you know, that's whatever. I, what I know is that I get so many people in my office. I mean, I, I hear this, I bet I hear this at least once a month. So I get a new patient, right? And, you know, we always ask, hey, have you ever seen a therapist? Have you ever seen anybody for self-help? You know, things like that. We always ask that. And at least once a month, I hear someone tell me about a really, really, really terrible experience they had with a coach or with a, um, with a but I hear a lot about other therapists. Mm-hmm. And and some of the things they tell me, well, I'll put it this way. Some of the stuff I've heard was reportable, like so reportable to my state board. And I'm like, and it's like, it's just stuff that you think, well, I don't understand. Why are, you know, like forget the ethics class that we, you know, classes actually we have to take every 
you know, every two years for a continuing education for a license renewal. Like, forget that. Mm-hmm. Like, common human decency stuff, you know, <laughs> like, logic should dictate that we shouldn't do these things. Yet, you know, we've got professionals behaving badly. And I know it's imperfect people helping imperfect people, but like, goodness sakes, like, what's, like, what's going on here? And so I've always, you know, I'm also big on, on advocacy with, with my patients like you know you got to be your own advocate you know you got to fight for what you want you need to you know stand up for and you know that's the other part of me i, I call it my inner batman complex <laughs> like, I, I i don't like injustice i don't like it when stuff is like clearly wrong like and then nobody's nobody's doing anything right and i don't like that somebody's got to do it can you share some stories with us of you know professionals behaving badly? Oh yeah, uh, this one I can share. The reason I this is a great example, well, great in that it'll clearly define things. But it's a great example because I won't be violating anybody's privacy because there's actually I can send you a link. There's a I think it's still up. There's an actual news story of this, and I'm actually on the news talking to a reporter about this. Um, so I had someone um, call my office. It was kind of one of those weird off days where I'm kind of just sitting in my office doing paperwork and the, the staff, I don't have any staff now, but back then I was working at a big office. No, the receptionist wasn't there. And I answered the phone and this poor guy's in a panic. You know, he was doing like couples therapy with this therapist and, <clears throat> and uh yeah and i'm gonna give you i'm giving you the very short version here but the short version was among other things the therapist so the the you know like some couples do you know they take some racy photos of each other right people do that um the therapist had asked um had said that he needed to bring the photos in to show him Wow. Like, like what? He did what? (laughs) So it goes down this whole thing of, you know, this poor guy, you know, and I have him come in because he clearly still needed, you know, to like, he still clearly needed some like therapy and, you know, for some other things. But yeah, then we get the, and I'm like, he's like going on about, and it's not really my job necessarily to like, Oh, I'm going to investigate this, but like, it takes two minutes. Right. Like, oh, what's their name? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We can verify this in like short order. Then we find out he's not licensed. Now he did go to school, but like he never did the the paperwork. He never, like he never did anything. Mm -hmm. So then he's operating, you know, outside of what the rules are. And I mean, it was crazy stuff. Um, But like, and again, like then, it, like I say, one thing led to another. Next thing I know, there's one of the local news stations getting involved. And like that therapist tried to file a restraining order against my patient. And, and my patient wasn't doing anything. Yeah. You know, what? it's like, yeah. So, so somebody who <clears throat> is looking for therapy, uh, somebody who's, who's, going into an office, they're doing, you know, like their first session with somebody, 
Mm-hmm. What would be some red flags that they should be aware of when they start that first session? Um, I, this is in no particular order. So, I mean, one thing would be, I think, and there's a lot of it depends. So like anybody who hears this, like needs to take this, you know, use your judgment, take this with a grain of salt a little bit. Cause there's always some exceptions to this. One thing I would say though, is like, if someone's like overly touchy feely, like physically, right? Like it's, it's one thing, like, it's one thing if you get to know your, your patient and, um, you know, like maybe it would be appropriate. I have like a no, for the most part, a no physical contact rule. Um, not for any reason other than it's for everybody. It's for everybody's safety. It's to make sure good boundaries are kept and all of that. Um, but like I would, I can imagine a scenario where if you know someone for a really long time and, you know, there's just some, I don't know, something's going on and they just, you know, like, you know, like our, our ethics don't say that you can't ever like hug a patient they usually say you should let them do it, not you do it. Right. You know, so like if, if there's much more than a handshake going on, like the first session, yeah, that's, that seems a little sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one thing I would say, um, you know, the, now if I showed you my desk, this is not a, like a good metric, but like, you know, do they actually like, cause my best is a little messy, but like, you know, do they actually seem organized in the sense of, all right, like, are they actually having to fill out some paperwork? Are they, and is it more than two questions? You know, um, I'm trying to think of other, like, you know, you can see my license stuff. It's, it's not like it's invisible, but it is in a pile on the floor, but you know, like there should be some indication of like, some professionalism, like, Oh, look, I see the, you know, it's on the floor, but I see the degrees over there. I see the licenses. Um, you know, like, but a lot of it's though, like how they conduct themselves outside of that too. Right. So, and again, this is stuff that nobody knows. I mean, mm. we need to make a checklist for to disseminate to people, but um, you know, like they should, it's a lot of what they should be doing, you know, versus what they're, you know, like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of what they're not versus what they are doing, if that makes sense. So, you know, like I say, they should have their appropriate paperwork. Um, You know, they should be clearly explaining things. They, you know, they should, well, you know, they should hopefully not dominate the conversation. They should, you know, like, um, if they, this is a big one, if, cause like, there's a thing in like, in uh, self-disclosure, you know, so we're all the walking wounded, right. A lot of us are that are helping people, you know, and you can, you can share your own stuff. You know, our general rule is, um, you only share it one, if it's very relevant and two, you're not sharing it because you have to share it because you're basically flipping the roles and then your patient's the therapist and you're the patient, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of things like that. Also, honestly, this one, this one isn't very clear, but I, I tell people it's one thing to be nervous because it's, you know, you're going to like see a therapist, right? That's one thing. If you feel like really icky, like someone walked over your grave icky, I tell people to run. Right. Like 
maybe talk about it with them. But like, if you're just, you know, it's again, nervous versus the heebie-jeebies. If you get the heebie-jeebies, I wouldn't go back. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not like a clear, you know, oh, that's a, that's a great check. Well, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like you kind of got to go through gut. Oh, well, here's the thing that sucks. So a lot of this stuff doesn't show up, up right away either. That's, right. that's a, you know, like they might not, you know, they might be halfway well behaved in the, in the beginning. Um, but yeah, like there's all the obvious things. No one, if, you know, like in that other scenario I mentioned, no one should ever be asking for nude photos. No one, you know, no one should be doing things like that. You know, even if, you know, like, all right, you know, there's sex therapists out there. Um, there's still a lot of like, you know, you think, oh, well, you're going to get into weird conversations there. Well, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I, I've done that work with people and I can tell you like, it's the most, <laughs> it's the most dry antiseptic conversation. Like when you do it right, like it's the most dry, dry antiseptic conversation you'll ever have. And that's kind of how it needs to be, you know, like, well, for a lot of reasons, um, just because, I mean, sometimes that's the conversations you need to have. Like, you just need to have, like, good, open, honest conversations where nobody's acting weird to begin with. Yes. You know, but, yeah. So, <clears throat> are therapists, psychologists, all that, are they supposed to give people <laughs> instructions? Like, you know, when I say instructions, I mean instructions. Like, people come to me for coaching, and mm-hmm. I, I give them homework. I give them specific things to do outside of our session that they should mm-hmm. do on a daily basis in order to evolve themselves and grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's not. Sorry, I've got about 11 thoughts on that. I'm trying to say which one to grab. What's most important here? Well, so one thing we heard in grad school was, and this is going to sound really funny and counterintuitive, but one thing we heard in grad school a lot was that um, we're not advice givers, which is hilarious because what exactly are we doing if we're, <laughs> we're not giving advice, right? Right. But the, the thing behind that is actually pretty logical in that going back to that, we're in a position of authority, right? And you have to recognize that you have to recognize uh, um, you have to recognize that like, if you make a, like, we'll we'll just call it what it is. You know, you're saying you need to do this. So let's go to the extreme. And this is something in our ethics that we're not supposed to do with very few exceptions, which is tell someone to break up or get a divorce. Right. Um, you know, we can kind of, for the, in almost every circumstance, I mean, this is probably 99 times out of 100, we can walk right up to the line, you know, and so how you, how you skirt around it, right, is, you know, you're like, okay, well, it sounds like you don't like the way your partner speaks to you. They, they call you names and they swear at you a lot and they scream at you. So it sounds like you don't like that, you know, so like you kind of, if, you know, if, if you're going to be in this relationship or not, you're going to have to consider these things, right? You know, so we have to kind of, because we can't actually, there's, there's case law on it. We can get in trouble for like just straight up saying, like in that kind of scenario, we can just get in a lot of trouble for just straight up saying, hey, you need to leave your partner. Now, 
we don't usually get in trouble if, you know, it's pretty clear there's like physical abuse going on in the home or um, if there's children involved and there's genuine safety concerns, then we get to, we can absolutely cross that line. We don't tell them to get a divorce, but we do say, Hey, you need to get like, we need some safety stuff going on here. And we absolutely get to do that. Now, the reason I say all that is to your point on the homework, I give homework, not all therapists do. I actually have sheets that I print out for people and hand it, you know, hand it to them like physical sheets. I, I don't just, I mean, I give them a digital copy too, but I, I, I actually give them papers to take home. Like they get stuff from me the first time they come here um, because I'm pretty directive in terms of, it's not that I'm telling them what to do exactly. Cause like on a micro level, you can, you can definitely do that. Right. At least and again, I'm speaking from where my ethics and, and our rules and statutes are concerned. So um, on a micro level, you can give specifics. So if like someone says, um, Hey David, I'm, I'm having trouble managing my anxiety. What can I do about that if I'm not going to go to the doctor and get medication? And so I'll go over like half a dozen different things. I say, look, try any or all of these. Now on that micro level, so the specific little interventions, I, I, I get to be very directed. If I'm like, all right, here is a thing you can do for yourself. Here are the seven or 11 or however many steps there are. Here's what you do here. Um, in the big meta macro view, it's sort of broad in general. And, uh, well, you know, maybe you should try this. But, I mean, that is kind of the trial and error. I mean, I know you experience it as well. Like, you know, some of it's like you're kind of whittling away. You know, like the more you talk to someone, the more information you get. You know, you're whittling away at what's going on or what's not going on. What do we need to adjust? You have to fine-tune things. All right, this didn't work, but it sort of worked. You know, let's make an adjustment here. But yeah, I definitely, I'm pretty, I, I'm as directive as I think I can get away with given my, you know, given what my license tells me I can and can't do. So. All right. Um, I'm so glad I didn't get a license because uh, people come to me and I will tell them uh, he has to go. You need to leave this relationship. Um, you know, if, if it turns out the person that they're with is abusive in any way, gaslighting in any way, um, a selfish short-term thinker versus a generous long-term thinker, mm -hmm. then I'm like, look, this is not the person you can build a life with and you need to set a boundary and you need to have standards and, you know, don't stay in a relationship and play the hoping game. If, yes. if you've already been through this over and over again, <clears throat> then it's time for you to put your money where your mouth is and say, I'm serious about not having this in my life. Therefore you need to not be in my life where I, I you know, I get a little bit softer on that is if there are children involved mm -hmm. because uh, you know, the ideal home for a child is mom and dad together, <laughs> in a peaceful, happy relationship. Yes. But if what the children are witnessing is toxic, then there needs to be a separation because we are monkeys designed to imitate. And what the children witness is what they will eventually emulate in their own lives. So, um, you know, I, I, when, when people say they're kids, I'm like, you have to earn your way out. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, I, I, I don't get straight to the go um, to the, you have to go. If there's kids it's mm -hmm. try every last thing, earn your way out. But if it is, you know, like I said, very visual, very apparent toxicity in the household, the kids are suffering. And so that does need to end uh, ASAP. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you talk about meditation with your clients? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Would you talk sure. about that within the first or second session? Um, you know, it kind of depends. Um, if they're talking about anxiety. Yeah, well, yeah, if they come to, to me with anxiety, one of the first things I send them, I actually, so in the book I'm working on, I've got a whole section on this. And so, so um, I'm throwing, like first session, I'm throwing, um, you know, like a lot of like, structured breathing and meditation practices i'm already like setting that you know that foundation yeah. um i'm glad you're yeah. saying this by the way and keep your hold your thoughts so that you can okay. get back into it but yeah. I, just, I just want to jump in and say i'm glad you're saying this because what i've been saying uh lately is if you go to a, because we we go to you for help, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. And so, you know, we are told that if you don't know what to do, you go to a therapist, you go to a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. counselor, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I say if you're going to them with anxiety and they're not telling you to start meditating within the first two sessions, fire them and get somebody else. Because as you know, meditation shrinks the amygdala, which is stress, fear, and anxiety. And I say, if somebody isn't introducing meditation, when you go talk to them about anxiety, either they don't know enough about the brain or they want you to keep coming. Yeah. And that, you know, it's funny you say that part, that last part, they want you to keep coming. You know, like I've, that was another weird thing I've experienced is I'll go back to the meditation set, but that's another weird thing I've experienced is you know this sort of weird feeling that um i feel like you know i I look at some of these therapists i think are you doing things just so they'll come next week i mean because like my philosophy is you come into my office here's how i look at it i want you to get as well as you can get as quickly as we can do it so that you can leave and i can happily look at you and say i don't ever want to see you again except out in the community and you're doing well and if we can do that in three weeks yeah yeah that's like that's my favorite not it's not because I don't like them or I don't want like I don't think you know all these things that we work on with self now some things you know someone's got really bad trauma history that can take a minute but um you know a lot of what people come in for I would not say is what most people think of as an actual clinical mental health issue right Mm -hmm. um that's different from saying that they don't have bad anxiety, for example, right? Like that's a whole, you know, that's a whole other conver- other other conversation for another podcast, probably. But mm-hmm. but yeah, with anxiety, I agree with you that because one of my other things is, you know, I want I do my best to like I do my best to give something to people the first time they're in here. Like then what what like it's you know the first session's important. It's a little unproductive in some sense because we just met right so like i it's hard to it's hard to level these things at someone when i still don't have a lot of information but that doesn't mean you can't do anything and i i'm totally with you like if you're not introducing something along those lines from the get-go like then why, why are yeah i wouldn't go to that person either like give me something these people are suffering like they've got their anxieties out of control like you know and you're right. Like there's all sorts of, you know, it's so funny. I, I had been, I don't know if you're probably familiar with uh, square breathing. Yes. Box breathing. Yeah. 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 Box breathing. So I had been, 
And we just have to keep doing what we're doing on this because I like to think, you know, I'm a little idealistic. I have my counselor's optimism. So I think, you know, we can make the world a better place. We can, we can change this. It's, I think we can one person at a time we can do this. Yeah. And it's so funny. I've been teaching because I got into martial arts years ago. So I was total on. They didn't talk about that in grad school. If you can believe this. Like it was probably a footnote. Right. It was a footnote, even though, oh, I don't know. Well, we've got decades worth of research data on breath work and meditative practices. We've only got a, a mountain of that information. You know, I think the jury's out on that one. Mm-hmm. But it, it's funny that, like I say, my, my grad school program, it, like that was largely a footnote um, in my studies. Um, and I remember I used to work at, uh, one of the inpatient facilities here local and we would do a mindfulness group and I would, uh, you know, try to, it was a big group. It wasn't very long, but, you know, I tried to give them, you know, like that was the one thing I always taught people was the square of the box breathing. And yeah. I would try and like, and, you know, I would say, Hey, if you can get this down and yeah. do it well. Like you, you can jump off to all the other, all the, all the quote unquote crazy meditative things that you hear about, like that are really useful. You know, like this is a good jumping off point. But it's so funny to talk to people because they're like, you know, like there's some of that data out there that, you know, cause you know, you can like trip the diving reflex, for example. Right. You know, so you, you get, you slow your breathing down enough, your heart rate, your blood pressure, glucose demand, all those fun things. Right. We get a lot of that leveled out. And I remember there was, I'll just say, you know, just because of the small world, there was a healthcare worker there. And they're like, you can't breathe that little. You'll get, you'll get hypercarbic. You'll, you'll, you'll hurt yourself. You'll. So I'm like the crazy therapist that's in the inpatient unit. I'm like, all right, bet. So I can hold my breath for four minutes. Bet. Somebody get a watch. And they're like, well, how are we going to know that you're doing? I'm like, all right, like, we're not supposed to touch each other, but I'll close my mouth. I'll pinch my nose and y'all can get up in my grill and inspect. Right. While I'm sitting here doing this. It's like, good Lord, people. Like, what are we, you know? But like I say, it's just, again, like, you know, back to the thing of, yeah, like, if you're not doing that and you're going for anxiety, yeah, like, that stuff's so, I don't know, you you know, it's like, it's, we don't have a lot of that. I'm going to, I want to make that point. We don't have a lot of that. You know, we know, so we know more than we used to. Right. But this mush in here, which you, know, you can't extricate it from the rest of the body, which, you know, I think most of us know that, but like, we know so little mm-hmm. comparatively, you know, back in the day when, uh, well, you remember, cause like, you remember back in the late seventies, early eighties, when you'd hear about someone, uh, they'd get a, uh, Oh, my, my dad or my granddad, they've got to get a heart bypass surgery. Right. And how those conversations go, the conversations went, all right, do you have your burial plot? Do you have your funeral arrangements in order? Cause like we, almost everybody dies from those. Right. Oh man. Well now, now if you die from a, a bypass surgery, like, there's a good opportunity that you can probably see the hospital and win right like the family could because like we've actually gained a lot of knowledge on this sort of thing we've surprisingly gotten pretty good at those Mm. i had a patient that had like a quintuple 
bypass surgery last year. They got it done in the morning and they went home the next day and they were doing fine. I'm like, man, that's amazing. All right. We don't have that in, in mental health. Yeah. You know, we don't have like, you know, that whole uh, idea of we're, we're peeling back layers of an onion, right? Like we don't have, you know, we're still like, we're still discovering, man, the crap that we're finding out anymore. But I say this because we don't have a lot of like things that I think are pretty solid. The mm -hmm. meditative and breathing stuff, like for anxiety, I think that's pretty solid. Like that's just biology. Yes. You know, yeah. I can get, I can get your, you know, I can get your, uh, you know, I can get your brain waves to drop in about five seconds if I just submerge your head in a bucket of ice water. Like, like, yeah. All right. Well, don't do that. Just do the breathing thing. You know. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, like, like I, you hear a lot of horror stories. People who who go to somebody for help and end up um, being misdirected even right mm -hmm. like like never never mind not helped but like even misdirected but let's just let's just go to the not help aspect of it right okay. mm -hmm. um it, people not being instructed to start meditating in order to alleviate anxiety and and just for the people who who may be kind of new to what we're talking about meditation shrinks your amygdala which is where stress fear and anxiety comes from that's your fight or flight center box breathing um, is a method used by Navy SEALs to yes. stay in control of fear and stress in high stress situations. Um, it literally massages your nervous system, sending relaxation, like a, a relaxation signal to your brain. Mm -hmm. So it calms your nervous system and it calms your brain. Yes. Um, and, and when you say this is just a footnote in the training that you get, this is not like, make sure you have your clients do this in order to help them alleviate their own suffering and learn how to manage their own emotions. It makes me feel like this is a profession that's akin to the pharmaceutical industry. We're not mm -hmm. in this to heal, we're in this to mm -hmm. have clients. <clears throat> Mm. Well, that's a heavy thing. I don't disagree with you, you know, like, and, and I think that's the relative problem with, you know, I think, you know, anybody that comes to me will tell you, I'm definitely not in the, that negative version of it. Um, you don't I really do. I, cause I really don't want, I don't, I don't want people here forever. I right. really don't like, all right, how quick can we do this? Like, I'm not in a hurry, but you know, like, when, when you know that there's things that you can start doing literally like right now, now to your point about, you know, it's akin to the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, you know, we don't have time to even, again, another podcast for another time. It'd be a fun conversation, <laughs> but like, you know, the, oh, what did my late father, what did he call it? Degree mills, I think is what he called it. Oh. You know, the, um, they're, they're just, you know, because if you look at, at least here in the United States, you look at the rising costs of um, higher education, which, you know, I think largely like, you know, I think there are very few things that really at this point in the modern era that really require a degree for, you know, if you want to be a medical doctor, yeah, you should probably go to med school because um, you're not going to be able to legally do that job without it. And yeah. you might actually learn something there. That's a thing. You know, if you want to be a practicing attorney, 
Although technically, according to our laws, you don't have to be an attorney to represent someone. You just can't get paid for it if you're not licensed. Um, but like, yeah, the the degree mill thing. Um, yeah, I've often wondered, like, and, and of course, I, I also see the other side of it, which is because I've heard this a lot, which is, you know, how did this person even get, you know, how they even get these licenses? And I'm like, well unfortunately like we're not although i will tell you my grad school program they did um as part of the intake of the application process you had to so you know you do all the typical things like you send in essays and you fill out their stupid application and your transcripts and all those things right and then um you know my school actually did um uh, psychological testing on us before we even got in Oh, wow. Because they go to uh, it's a place called Mid-America Nazarene University in in Kansas. Okay. Are you in Kansas? I'm in Missouri. Okay. What city in Missouri? Like, like, can, can I send people your way? Yeah, sure. So, uh, what city in Missouri? Yeah. Kansas city area. Kansas city area. So y'all, if you're listening, David Robbins, Yellow pages. <laughs> if you just go to, if you, if, yeah, if you just go to Google and type in David Robbins, therapist, Kansas City, like I'm pretty easy to find. Nice. Awesome. DavidPRobbins.com. That's my website. So, okay. By the way, you're writing a book now, too. Yes. What's the title? Uh, well, the working title is The Gab Method. So, G E B B. The Geb method and the subtext, because I don't know how many principles are going to be in here yet. I haven't decided on that. But X number of principles to help you get out of your own way and give life both barrels. I love it. That sounds amazing. That sounds really amazing. So you went, you went to you went the, the school that you went to. They did psychological testing on you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so like you, you felt that this, this particular school, um, offered something that was a little bit more comprehensive for people who wanted to help people rather than just have clients coming back over and over. It's hard to look back on right. <laughs> a lot of that. I felt like I did get a good, like education overall, um, I think it's hard to, you know, it's hard to cover everything um, in terms of, although again, like I will say like two areas that they, they didn't cover hardly at all. And they were just sort of footnotes, like they didn't hardly cover anything in regards to addictions Okay. and they didn't, um, you know, it's not like they never, you know, never mentioned meditation and things like that for anxiety. It's just like, I didn't learn any of that from them. Like all the interventions that I know, especially the meditative based ones and the breathing based ones, I didn't learn any of that in grad school. That was all I either knew a bunch of it beforehand because of being into martial arts or I went to in a combination of both or I went to seminars afterwards. Um, but yeah, like it's, you know, it's, it's hard when like, when you go in and like, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself. You know, I really did just want to get into the field to help people. And I felt like this was at the time, the best route to do it. Um, I felt like, you know, um, 
just from the base education standard, I think that America, you know, my university was pretty good. Um, I know in the area, they actually are pretty well regarded, like in terms of when you have student interns, like they, they usually seem, you know, like a bit more with it compared to the other schools. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, I have some, I definitely have, you know, I've thought about, yeah, are they just cranking stuff out and doing it, teaching it in a way that you're just going to keep having people like, you know, not enough progress is going to be made. Um, you know, you're just going to have your books full. Like I, I do with a lot of people, I make pretty quick work of things for people and like, I'm as busy as I want to be. I don't know where anybody gets this idea that if you, I, I will say that, uh, this wasn't anyone from this, my school, but I will tell you, like, I did have a therapist tell me years ago that um, short of saying you need to do this to keep your books full, um, I did have a therapist um, tell me something to the effect of, hey, you know, you're, 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 you're doing stuff too quick with your patients. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, like, well, I forget exactly how they word it, but it was something to the effect of, you know, they kind of danced around the idea of like, well, you know, you're, you're always going to have holes in your schedule. Like, well, maybe, maybe not. If they're better, well, who cares? Right. You know, like I get a lot of word of mouth referrals. So I assume, you know, although I laughingly say, I don't know why anybody would refer, refer to me anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm, a, I'm, I'm impossible. My way's hard. So I don't. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love the hard way. That's why people come to me. They come to me. Literally, they say to me, the reason why I booked a session with you is because I know you're going to tell me the truth. Um, so out of curiosity, how many clients a day do you typically see? Uh, depends on the day. Um, you know, I have anywhere from like, I'll do it over the week first. Like I have anywhere from like 30 to 40 a week. Okay. Um, and then... Like, so like, but I, I don't come in till really late on a, on a Monday because I kind of like hanging out at my farm with my kids and stuff and, um, with my wife. And so, so I only have a few hours worth on Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my long, long days. So I might get here. I got here pretty early. I think I was here like a little before eight this morning and then I won't leave until seven. So I have a couple long long days um but now do you have a similar like well of course you got a lot of irons in the fire probably even more than i do like you've got all your book stuff and yeah i, I write books i do coaching sessions i do lives do my q a's on lives um make tiktoks so, um, you know, so I'm always kind of like jumping from one activity to the next and, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I keep my mornings for book writings and then, uh, I, you know, my sessions start at 1230, the last one can be booked at 730. Um, so, and I, like, I'm still building, I don't, I don't have as full a roster as you do. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that because I'm hedonistic. So I like, having time to myself, you know, like, like mm -hmm. you, and I love working for myself too, because you can make your own schedule, which is really super mm -hmm. fun. Um, do you have any questions for me? Like, are you, did you come to this with like any kind of anything that you wanted to ask me? 
I was thinking about that this morning. I'm like, what am I going to ask her? Like, that's the, that's the <laughs> thing. Right. Um, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, cause I've looked at some of your stuff outside of just TikTok. So I guess, you know, I guess I was just curious, you know, like, was there any one thing or maybe a handful of things that drove you to, all right, I'm going to do this coaching thing. I'm going to write all these books. Cause I saw one of your little videos where you referenced like a short time period where you went on a marathon book writing thing. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm, you know, like I say, I'm always curious about why people are doing what they're doing anyway. So. Right. So I have to say my practice is very much based on a sense of destiny. Mm. Um, people have been coming to me for advice for over 20 years, like, like since my mid twenties, like I, I can, I can remember the place where I stood, where I started hearing this, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, like people would call me in a state of agitation because something was happening in their life. And within 10 minutes, they'd say, I feel so much better. You're so calming. You're so soothing. I feel so much more relaxed now. And so it's just, it's this talent. And I would say this talent is based on my design. I, I, mm-hmm. I kind of tend to refer to Albert Einstein Mm-hmm. which is somebody who said, I'm no different from anybody else. I'm just extremely curious. And mm-hmm. he, his brain is like designed for mathematics, whereas my brain is designed for sociology and understanding human interaction. And, you know, I look at my history, my own upbringing, right? Having an abusive mother leading to me choosing an abusive boyfriend and then, you know, cheater boyfriends. So my own, my own life design has happened so that I, can bring empathy and understanding to my practice. And my number one relationship role is it's not fair to teach anything you're not willing to do first. So it puts me in a position of never um, teaching my clients anything I myself haven't done to pull myself out of a similar situation. So it really adds a lot of uh, nuance. And I, I say to people, they say, how did you get started with dating coaching? I say, I didn't go to it. It came to me. And mm-hmm. all I did was put my knowledge you know, into something easy to find and brand myself and then say, here I am. So that's how I got here. And, and me writing books, like, you know, there was a seed planted, you know, the voice capital T capital V in your head. And mm-hmm. it said, you have a book to write. And that was about five years before I actually wrote my first book. And I didn't know there'd be more than one, but I started writing one and the second one was conceptualized. And, and the marathon was this intense energy inside of me that was propelling me. Like think somebody who has a jetpack on their back and they can't control it, mm-hmm. like zoom. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't stop myself. Like all these ideas were just creating them. And there was a fire inside of me that was absolutely undeniable. It drove me crazy. Um, like I had to do this and I don't know if you've ever experienced mm-hmm. this where you mm-hmm. have to do something. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and I mean, I thought like I got to book number seven and I thought, okay, this is the last one. And then the, you know, capital T capital, we said, no, motherfucker, you got another one. And that right. was custom made, which I thought was unrelated to the relationship books I'd written because custom made custom made is the book about how do I discover what my passion is and then how do I monetize it? And I thought, 
you know, this, this is, this is different. But then I had all these women who are like, who were having the problem that if their partner didn't text them back within an hour, they were losing their minds. And I was like, well, that's because you're making your partner your purpose because you don't know what your purpose is. And we all need to practice a purpose. We have a drive to mm -hmm. practice a sense of purpose. And I went, oh, this is a relationship book mm -hmm. because it, it teaches you how to discover your purpose so that you stop making your partner your purpose. And my theory with people not even knowing what their purpose is when they're in their 20s, 30s or 40s is because we have an educational system that gives you a report card and says, here's where you're good at. Don't worry about it. Here's where you're not good at. Put more time, focus and energy into it. So we mm -hmm. actually get diverted away from what we would naturally be good at and distracted and we forget about it. So here I am um, because the universe designed me to be here and I'm just putting my destiny to use. Nice. How hard was it writing that first book? Not hard at all because, um, you know, once I realized I was going to be a dating coach and I wrote my first seminar, um, as soon as I was done writing my first seminar, the universe said, that's your first book. And I went, oh, well, isn't that easy? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm finding the, well, I had like, well, I still have my, you know, I've got like 600 pages of notes. And then I, well, it's funny. I, I, I've been wanting, you know, I had this idea for this book for ages. Um, and then, <clears throat> I would sit at the computer and stare and hate my life because yeah. I'm like, all right, I got 600 pages of notes. Like, what are we doing here? You know? Um, and then a, a friend of mine, there's this um, thing called national novel writing month. I don't know if you've heard of this thing, but um, it's basically just a nonprofit organization that encourages people to write. And so like November is um, the main month. They do things all year, but November is the main month where they, and they call it NaNoWriMo, so National Novel Writing Month. So they encourage everybody, hey, you write 1,667 1, words a day and you'll have a 50,000-word novel, mm -hmm. right? And so a friend of mine got me. She's like, and my writing mentor was saying the same thing, but a friend of mine's like, you know, why don't you try this? Like, nothing's happening on your book. Why don't you try this? So I was writing away on my on a stupid like novel and I got about halfway through that and then all of a sudden I'm like oh wait I got an idea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I blasted out my um like I guess the first draft of the book I'm working on or so the you know the thing I I'm dealing with now is just um like I'm just editing it and I also want it to make sense. I also want it to be accessible. Like I, I love much to the annoyance of some people. Like I love words. Mm -hmm. um, but because like growing up, I grew up in a household full of like overeducated people. So um, like, I love words. I like finding the one word that says 10 sentences. Like uh, that's my favorite thing. But then I've realized, I want to say it was Neil Gaiman. I want to say it was Neil Gaiman that I heard say, you know, any book you write probably really needs to be on a seventh grade level. Yeah. And so I'm like, to, to reach the most people. Plain English. You know. Yeah. And so 
I'm editing and editing and editing because I'm like, all right, like th this, this isn't a bad sentence, but you know, this would be a great sentence for like a room full of academics. Maybe mm -hmm. I shouldn't write that. So, I mean, you know, my thing, like I, like I said, I wrote the bulk of my thing. I'm still annoying myself with the editing, but right. I will be publishing that come hell or high water by the end of the year. I don't even care. Like Good. it's going to be <laughs> like, I think, you know, perfectionism yeah. trying to, trying to not succumb to that. I'm glad you have a goal and a timeline though. Cause that's, I find that's really super helpful. I always, I always set a timeline. I always set myself a deadline for finishing a book. Like I, I self-publish, right? So mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Nobody's, and you should, by the way, um, nobody's pushing me, but me, but uh, I like, you know, I'm one of those people that works under pressure. So yeah, um, I like giving myself those, those deadlines and I've, I've yet to miss one. So that's really good. <laughs> good for yeah. Me. I wish I, I wish I had like a, a publisher that gave giving me money and give me a hard deadline because like there, there's yeah that motivational push there there's I, I just get triggered by that and I'll you know it's reminiscent of hey you have a 25 page paper due and you haven't like written five five lines of it and and then I destroy it in like two days and yeah yeah awesome I love this David I'm I'm really glad we did this like I'm yeah, really I am too really thank you for this. Yeah, thanks for thank you for for having me on here. Yeah, this has been a, an amazing conversation, and I hope some of my people who are in the Kansas area uh, do end up coming to see you because I think you and I align quite a bit. Um, so this this was wonderful. I really want to thank you for for coming and doing this with me. Is there anything you like any and you know you said you have a website? Do you want to tell us what that is? All right. Website is davidprobbins.com. Um, most of what I'm doing on social anymore is right now, just because it's just me and I don't, you know, this may change, but like most of what I'm doing is on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So I'm at the mind mechanic on TikTok. Um, and, and yeah, like I do, I do virtual zoom sessions if people need that. Mm -hmm. Um, I see people in person if, um, if they're here local mm -hmm. um trying to think of what else yeah i'm, I'm gonna be around so i'm gonna be around i like that that's gonna be my new motto i'm gonna be around <laughs> nice awesome david thank you so much make sure you have an amazing amazing day okay you do the same we'll have to do this again sometime Absolutely. I think, I think if we do this again, we should talk about what makes a happy marriage. That would be awesome. We should definitely do that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. I'm going to talk to All you right, soon. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. We'll see you.